The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Well, hey, all you Steve Noble listeners. This is Chris Connell and Josh behind me, the not the Steve Noble Show, because Steve is not here. This is his equally obnoxious friend. I've known Steve for several years, and from time to time he asked me to fill in, and it's a privilege to do so. Uh, I work at a local church here in Raleigh, North Carolina called Cross Assembly with a great guy named Pastor Chad Harvey, so shout out to him. But it's great to be here with you today. We're going to talk about arguing the faith. You know, we are living in an age of skepticism. We are living in an age in which the belief and faith in anything is questioned. And when Billy Graham was at the heyday of his ministry, particularly when he was ministering in the United States and Western cultures. In many ways, he was calling people back to what they already knew. It was a call back to what they'd heard in school, what they'd probably heard in Sunday school, what they'd heard in the culture. But today's culture is different. And in fact, it's post-Christian in America, I would say even anti-Christian, and in particular on the college campuses. Today, I've got with us Carolyn Kirkman from Rossio Christi. Carolyn, say hello to the folks at Steve Noble Shows. Hello, folks at Steve Noble Shows. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carolyn, let me start off first. Uh, start off with this. We're talking about arguing the faith. Uh, let's just talk about Rossio Christi. Uh, if people want information about that, they can go to ratiochristi.org. What is Rossio Christi? Uh, you've been involved as a student. You're now involved in a different way. So talk to the listeners about what Rosho Christi is and what your role is currently. Yeah, so the, the vision of Rosho is um, transforming lives on campus today in order to change the culture tomorrow. So um, it's specifically Christian apologetics ministry. Um, they tie together both apologetics and evangelism are very closely knit together. Um, and they do a really good job of engaging what's going on like on campuses and even through my time as a student and i'll be curious to see this fall what's going on now that it's been three years since i've graduated how quickly the culture changes um i discovered them as a student kind of accidentally it was is really a god thing and i still talk to ross sickling who's my mentor and was the chapter director when I was a student there. Um, I got to campus, immediately started looking for Christian ministries. Um, I attended a few things. It was really shallow. It was not helpful. You get on campus and you instantly realize that as a Christian, you're the bad guy, yeah. you know, in classrooms. And, and to your that peers. was a new world for you, right? Because you'd grown up in a Christian home, homeschool, mm-hmm. the whole thing, right? So yes, I imagine yeah. that hit you pretty hard when you got on campus. It, it did. Um, I had had a little bit of exposure because I had done some dual, dual enrollment um, at community colleges and stuff in high school. But yeah, the it, it, I knew 
you know you're going to be the minority when you get there as a Christian, but you don't realize the impact it's going to have when you're made out to the be the bad guy over yeah. and over again. And it's really strange, especially as a Christian. You you go on campus and you want to love on people and it doesn't always go like you would like it to. Yeah, I think um, I think that in a lot of America's universities, not certainly not all of them, but I think in a lot of them, Carolyn, um Christianity is is not considered a valid worldview. And mm-hmm. and and it's really attacked. Um and and maybe other worldviews are attacked too. Maybe the Islamic worldview is attacked as well. You know, maybe the secular worldview is attacked as well, but it seems like it's not just the fact that it's one view among many. It seems like the Christian worldview is really put on the spot and and uh and it sounds like you experience that as a student. Yes, 100%. Um it the dynamic really changed um again within i was on campus for three years um and from the first year to the last year it was drastically different one i got employed by the university to be a residential advisor and so i was thrown into the training with the housing department and i could 100 it's it was so bad i <laughs> called my mom resident like, life on a I secular could... university are you oh, sure my word it was sounds so like heaven on I earth lived... to me carolyn Oh my goodness. I lived on campus as a freshman um, and I had a, like an atheist roommate and there were, you know, transgender friends that came in and out and the pronoun battle was real. Um, and I offended <laughs> many people. Um, but by, by the time, you know, I was, then I was in their training camp basically for being a residential advisor. And I saw firsthand basically the brainwashing that goes on Um I just, I had people take me aside once when they figured out I was a Christian. I don't even know this girl. She was some sort of, um, one of the leaders, she was a student, but she was like, just so you know, you know, make sure you don't have anything offensive in your room. And 100% she knew that that was, you know, Bible verses, things like that. It was, she, I got a little pep talk multiple times from people about that sort of thing. Um, blatantly told not to refer any girls that came out to be pregnant to the crisis pregnancy center that was shut down. Um, and that's when I realized I was like, I might be fired because they were obviously wanted to shuffle girls to their clinic because they, they would never explicitly say why, but they emphasized how important education was and they didn't want anyone to drop out. Wow. Um, so it so was so bad. You not only had the exposure of just being a student, you had the yes. exposure of being an employee. Yeah, it was bad. I I called my mother and I was like, I might be fired yeah. because I knew at that point, you know, if it, if and it didn't happen, thank goodness. But if it did, if a girl came to me pregnant, I would I had made a decision. I was like, I'm not telling the university, right? Because I know what's going to happen. Um, there were lots. That's just one example that's really clear. But there were lots of things like that, um, especially with the transgender thing too. That was also raging battle. Um, the whole time there as well. But um, just that's a little bit of my student experience. Rasho wow. Christie was really instrumental. I, I'm, in I'm impressed that you didn't just quit and just be like, that's it. I'm out. I'm going to go to school somewhere else. I wanted to quit. <laughs> I was so close to graduating. Um, but yeah, it worked out. Rasho Christie really helped. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, listen, you're on the Steve Noble Show. This is Chris Conniffle, and then we've got Carolyn Kirkman from Rashio Christie, RashioChristie.org, arguing the faith. Stay tuned. This is fascinating stuff, so don't miss the next segment.
www.thinkingyourmind.org. This is the Steve Noble Show. Why'd they cut the music? The music was great. What in the world? All right, I'm talking to those people back there. Hey, this is Chris Connell, phone for Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show, and today we're talking about arguing the faith, and I just think Steve has the best intro music for a Christian radio talk show. It's back, and it went away again. All right, now they're just teasing me. So our guest today is Carolyn Kirkman. She is a student, but now is going to be a director. Did I get that right? Or what's the what's the trapper fi- director, trapper yes. director mm-hmm. for Rocio Christi, which is a group that is in campuses I know across America. Is it international as well, Carolyn? There are a few international ones, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so predominantly in the US. Mm-hmm. And essentially they're trying to encourage and equip students with a Christian worldview and how to argue the faith. Um, you know, using philosophy, using the word of God. Would that be a good description? Mm-hmm. Philosophy, science, history. Um, yeah. All right. And I was asking you over the break, like as a Christian in an antagonistic culture to Christianity, like how comforting was it to find people that were in academia that were also, uh, you know, intellectually, philosophically gifted, but they were also followers of Christ. Did that make a difference for you as a student? It it made it made a huge difference. And um, like I mentioned to you again over the break is. Some of I learned a lot about brainwashing through other circumstances. And when you have a group of people that come alongside you and say, no, you're not crazy for being a Christian, it's it's huge. And to know that you're not alone in the way you think, because one of the first tactics for brainwashing is to isolate people um, and to make them think that they're the only ones who think that way. Um, and when you have the entire campus, that that is their whole goal is to make you feel like you're crazy. Um it's huge to have another group of people who are willing to get into those conversations. Um, and where did and, the where did the antagonism the antagonism to Christianity manifest the most? It was it was it within the classrooms? Was it just conversations with other students? I mean, where did that where did a lot of that know, dialogue occur? It's it's really hard for me to pinpoint where it came most strongly. I'm sure it de- you know it probably depends on where where students are majoring. I mean. One thing that I had a horrible biology class that would be as a surprise to nobody. Um, (laughs) So that was one area. A lot of it was peers. Um, You know, I had an atheist roommate who gradually became more antagonistic as time went on. Um, We got along pretty well, but, um, and then it's also just, it's heavily influenced by the administration too. And, you know, just because of what the campus decides to promote constantly, um, you know, especially with the the gender issue too. It's just it it comes from everywhere, so it's a right. little hard for me to pinpoint. It's not exactly a you know God's not dead movie thing. It's 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 not that. It's right. it's every I don't know. It comes from all directions. And then when I was a residential advisor again, I saw how heavily steeped the housing department was in it, and just the the types of events they decide to promote and they get everybody involved in. Um, another issue that I came across when I was employed by them was. At one point, it didn't happen because COVID actually happened before, but I was going to be required to work in what they call the safe sex fest. Um, and I was wow. like, oh, no, I'm going to have to get a religious exemption for this. Um, fortunately, it was shut, you know, COVID shut everything down. But, you know, it's just it comes from everywhere. Um, yeah. And it's it just bombards you as a student. Um, 
Yeah, and did you did you find other students who are followers of Christ on campus? Did you find any of them question their own faith because of this, or going through similar emotions that you were going through, or were, were you kind of isolated by yourself and really didn't know anybody else going through that? Yeah. So, I mean, by the time I didn't have a lot of connections until I got connected with Fascio Christie, and then got that it. was really helpful because we were all kind of in it together. Right. Um. But I did have lots of, I would say, more acquaintances who were definitely culturally Christian. Um, and it was interesting. There's one girl, specifically sweet girl, um, that I would have conversations about faith with. And she was involved in a Christian ministry on campus. I don't remember which one. Um, but as time went on, like conversations about faith just kind of dropped off. It was almost like they decide not to think about it right now while they're in the middle of trying to get along with everybody almost. So it was just like, we're just going to box this up and put it to the side and we'll get back to our faith when we go home kind of a thing. Um, I feel like I saw more of that. Um, I didn't necessarily know a lot of people explicitly falling away from the faith. But then Got again, it. my main friend group was in Ratio Christie. Right. We really supported each other there. All right. So you found Ratio Christie um, and that was a comfort. Before I go there, you mentioned the break, something about, Maybe it was when your resident life employment, they were talking about, it doesn't like they did them, re-education camps. Could you talk about that for a moment and put so, that in context? I I should have, you know, in hindsight, I 100% should have recorded all of the training sessions, <laughs> like secretly, because they said some stupid stuff in there that they probably could have been sued for. But right. um, there was a general sentiment, and I can't remember if it was in one of like the big training sessions where, you know, they had like 200 people in training or if it was in one of the breakout things but it was some conversations within the leadership that was that were frustrated with how you know difficult it was to work with you know the conservative christian segment of the population and the whole conversation was like you know they we almost just need a separate training you know to get them on the same page um kind of so that was just it was it was so bizarre i was i read the book of daniel over and over again <laughs> while i was on campus i was like where am i living right now yeah um all right so but, talk yeah. talk for a moment about what, what rasha christie does like when they meet what they do mm-hmm. you know you know how do they operate on the campus what are some of the yeah. activities that they're involved with yeah so the you the chap, a lot of chapters operate kind of in their own style. I okay. think it, it really makes sense. You know, a little bit of autonomy like there. Campus and, yeah. The, the chapter I was involved in, we met weekly. Um, we went through things like, you know, philosophy, proof of the resurrection. Um, one thing that we did at least every year, if not every semester, was talk about gender and sexuality because that was like the hot topic. Um, sometimes we get into things like abortion, um, and the way um, my chapter director led it, which I really appreciated, he would bring, you know, experts um, that he knew in different areas that would give talks on things. But he also really enc- encouraged the students to present as well, um, which was really cool. It was really empowering to be able to take ownership of your faith and realize that you have something to offer and encourage each other in that. Um, so, I mean, we'd have some students present on Aquinas, for example, I did one on cults and brainwashing because that was the thing I was in the middle of and studying. Um, I also did some things on the, the arts and the Bible and how, you know, the concept of beauty, where does that come from? Things like that. Um, 
and I guess I'll reemphasize the, the, the gender and sexuality stuff. That was something we talked about a lot, especially dealing with the pronoun issue. And we didn't always agree on it, too. That was the thing. I will never forget, like, we were kind of in a heated debate on whether you use the pron preferred pronouns or you don't. And the whole room was kind of split. Um, but it was such a good, healthy conversation and real, genuine wrestling yeah. with what people were dealing with. Because these are our friends, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's very different when you have to deal with it face-to-face -face like that. Absolutely. So we're talking about arguing the faith. Our guest, Carolyn Kirkman, Rashio Christie, um, and she's a chapter director here in North Carolina. We're going to come back, talk about some of the hard questions that people ask when they're skeptical of the faith and how we can respond to them. Stay tuned. You're with the Steve Noble Show. Chris Connell filling in, arguing the faith. We'll be right back. We'll get back. We're back. And this is The Steve Noble Show. This is Chris Connell phone in talking about arguing the faith. And my guest is Carolyn Kirkman. She is a chapter director for Ratio Christie. And we're sharing about what it's like to be a follower of Christ with a Christian worldview on a secular campus. And how some of those campuses can be extremely antagonistic um, to the faith. Carolyn, I'm going to start with this. When you were having conversations with people who were skeptical or antagonistic, you know, did you find among your peers and students that there were some fundamental beliefs that they had or questions that they had about God and faith that came up pretty regularly? You know, that's such an interesting question because I think, I mean, the common ones that people will say are people have an issue, you know, the problem of evil is a big one or right. things like that. What I found as a student. And let, let me just that... stop you for a second. When you say problem of evil, mm -hmm. I think I know what you mean. But I'm going to give an example. Is the problem evil somebody saying, well, why did Hitler do what he did? Or why does God allow cancer? Or why does, you know, why does bad things happen to good people? I mean, is that kind of the fundamental mm -hmm. question of the existence of evil yes. in the world? Yeah, definitely. So like if. Well, yes, yeah, um, essentially, like, if, if, how can God be real, you know, I can hurt so bad, kind of. Right, like how can that. God be That's good the dumbed down version. and just, um, right, and there be this yeah. kind of suffering and evil in the mm -hmm. world, yeah. So there, there was that, but I think a lot, a lot of what I encountered, um, specifically with peers, I have a different story about a professor that was a weird conversation, but, um, with peers, a lot of it was just, well, I'm glad Christianity, you know, makes you feel better, but I'm going to, you know, do my own thing that's more enlightened. Um, that was the attitude. I didn't necessarily get lots of aggressive questions um, where people had a real issue with Christianity, per se. Um, I was, again, the, well, the horrible biology class that I've alluded to in other segments, but um they that professor spent two the first two weeks making us read um different articles from christians who also believed in evolution to try to convince us that we could be christians and believe in it like evolution um which just made me mad <laughs> um <laughs> she even had us take a survey you know with this the clickers um at the beginning of all that reading and then she had us do it again to see if she changed anybody's mind Wow. The funny thing was she hadn't, and she was really mad. She was like, well, you guys haven't been doing the reading. Um, I was like, or the reading sucked, either one. Yeah. Um, and this professor, she had a huge chip on her shoulder about 
the notion of perfection. And there was one class specifically, and I was actually in the middle. I had just gotten really deep into Rasho Christie. We had been doing Greg Kogel's tactics. Um, I had been learning about, you know, the biggest question you ask people is, what do you mean by that? Um, to get them to explain their reasoning um, so that you can, you know, really know where they're coming from. So you better know how to answer them. Um, but she went on a whole like rant pointing out all the imperfections in the universe. And her whole, like their conclusion was there can be no God. Look at all these imperfections everywhere. Um, at the end of class, I went up and I had a friend standing behind me like, what are you doing? And I just said, can you define what perfect means? You say everything, if there's so many imperfections, can you give me a definition for perfect? Um, I didn't say anything about God. That was very strategic on my end. I was like, I'm not bringing up anything about faith or anything. And she went on a whole tangent about God. Obviously, she had had some huge hurts in her background. And I eventually, I literally had to back out of the room because she would not stop talking. She was so angry. Wow. Um, so I, there's, I think in some ways, I think that also ties to the problem of evil and suffering too. I mean, imperfection. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things like that, but I didn't necessarily feel direct attacks on Christianity per se. Sure. It's, it was more of a dismissal of enjoy your little fantasy world over there right. where you follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, know, except you still have to use preferred pronouns and, you know, do right. all these things. You know, I said this, um, I said this yeah. earlier, Carolyn, and I, I still think it's true. I think that that is that faith is make believe. So you put mm -hmm. Jesus in the same category as the Easter bunny yeah. or Santa Claus. And so if you want to believe in that, believe in it because it's not really real. And I, I mm -hmm. think that that's a, a fundamental thing. I think there's also a mm -hmm. fundamental, um, lie, um, in our culture that says, um, to have faith and specifically in this case, have faith in Christ to have a Christian worldview means that you check reason at the door, that you have mm -hmm. to check science at the door. That means you, you have to ignore fact. You have to ignore evidence. And that's not true either, but I do feel like that's a fundamental understanding within our culture. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Yeah. So this is actually something one of the last years we, as, as a retro Christie group, we were comparing notes kind of in how we're treated as Christians in the classroom. And I'm still, I still, this still fascinates me and I would like to find a way to like research this and look into it. But we noticed that all of us females, Christian females in the class, when we are in Ratio Christi, our experiences in the classroom was very much, um, you know, we're delusional. It's our little make-believe thing. Whereas a lot of the males, I mean, men tend to be more rational and logical. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> um, I, my husband knows this, um, <laughs> but um, the men got like in classrooms when people found out they're a Christian, they tend to, they tended to get more interesting questions from people. They tended to take them more seriously. And I thought that's really interesting because that actually is kind of like a sexist thing. Right. That the secular campus has set up, you know, if you're female and you are a Christian, then that must be, you know, totally emotional and irrational because you cry a lot kind of thing. Right. But if there are men, they tend to be. So we were a little jealous as females. Men tended to have, we noticed in, just in the group, you know, small sample, more interesting conversations with people than we did. Yeah. Um, so we were dismissed a lot, um, which we, we only kind of pieced that together right at the end of my time there. But I wish I had figured that out sooner because I would have leaned into that and tried to figure it out. But 
Yeah, I mean, we got, we kind of got questions. I had some interesting conversations with my roommates specifically about, you know, gender and sexuality and stuff. But again, it was, it was just really dismissal. It was like, well, that's, I'm glad that's working for you. Yeah. Um, you're crazy. I, <laughs> kind of an attitude. Yeah. I feel like a good apologist, someone who's arguing for the faith, apologia, right? To give a reason for something, a uh, reason what you believe. Um, I feel like a good apologist is able to leave somebody with a question mark in in their own heart, mm-hmm. their own mind. Yes. Um, yeah. Many years ago, I had a, a grandfather that was an atheist and then became an agnostic. And then a, a month before he passed, made a confession of faith in Christ, which is a wonderful story. I'd love to share it now. I don't feel there's time for that. But, you know, I, I sent him the book Letters from a Skeptic one time. Uh, and it's one of my favorite apologetics books because it's a, literally a collection of letters from an uh, atheist father and a believing son. And mm-hmm. in the end, over three years and 30 letters, a father becomes a father of Christ. And I thought, this is perfect for my grand- grandfather. Like, this person is really arguing. They're asking hard questions. And somebody is wrestling with him in this. And so, and my grandfather read everything. I mean, he read any, he picked up books at a library that he thought was one thing. And it ended up being something. He still finished it. Well, he wouldn't finish the book. He got halfway through and got mad. And he told me I'm not finishing the book. And I think it was because at that time, it was the first time somebody had really confronted him with what his worldview was. Like, I think mm-hmm. it was the first time someone threw something at him that he was like, no, wait a second. There might be some rationality to this. Um, mm-hmm. Have you found that when you've been engaged with your students that are in the chapter, are they able to have those conversations with other students or is that more of a rarity? Does that mean something I'm saying where, where do, you know, the Holy Spirit's really working on somebody because to find an honest atheist sometimes can be a challenge because sometimes they've just been hurt in the past and they are yeah. an atheist, but the real reason is because they've been hurt by somebody. But do mm-hmm. you, do you find that your students are, are having these conversations with their peers? Yeah, that's, so the chapter at UNCG, I'm just, I've just launched it. So I haven't had as much connection with those students, but I have worked with students in the past, specifically high schoolers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, we, I was actually even last night we were, uh, had a dinner with some other people with Ratio Christie with various levels of involvement. And we were talking about how it almost seems like you have to spend a long time to train people how to start asking the right questions. Um, whether or not they're Christians. Um, Cause people don't, especially my generation, like we don't know how to think anymore. Um, and I, I wonder if that's part of the reason I didn't really get bombarded with a ton of questions as a student. A lot of it was just really subtle. People were uncomfortable and made you, it belittled you, but they wouldn't necessarily target questions at you because they just shut down that part of their brain. Right. Um, and so last year we, my husband and I worked with um, some high schoolers just, you know, just that we were connected with unofficially, not not with Ratio, though I brought a lot of my training to that, but um, we spent the entire first semester on worldview to get them to learn how to think before they could get into apologetics. I love that. We're talking with Carolyn Kirkman. She's a chapter director for Ratio Christi at UNCG. We're talking about arguing the faith. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few of those hard questions that people ask. Stay tuned. This is the Steve Noble Show. Chris Connell filling in today. Feeling this guy's life. 
you know, and, and there are many times that Jesus left people with those wrestling. You know, you look at the conversation he had with Pontius Pilate, fascinating conversation. And when Pontius asked him, what is truth? I mean, there is these, this, this yeah. conversation going on um, where Jesus is not necessarily coming right out with the answers either. He is sometimes he is trying to get them to, to ask the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it, I mean, when you point out this, the way Jesus interacted with people too, I've been thinking about this in terms of the way he performed miracles is always so personal and it just makes you want the backstory. And this is, I mean, I've been watching the chosen too. I just love how they, you know, like guess into like, what if the backstory was this? And that is why this miracle is so personal. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's the same way too, with the questions and, you know, evangelism when it comes to apologetics too, like you yeah. really need the relationship and you do know, need yeah. to know what people need to hear. Yeah. Cause I can have all the apologetics talking points all in my head and it's not, you know, somebody might just need a hug, you know, yeah. like it, it's just yeah. not, it's, it's that, simple really yeah. in a lot of ways it's that complicated and that simple just to be able yeah. to read people and recognize when your words are not making a difference at all and maybe they just they need something else yeah. um yeah yeah I, jesus conversation with the woman at the well is really fascinating to me because you know if i if my studies were correct maybe they're not it's the first time jesus really admits who he is and he admits mm -hmm. it to this outcast samaritan woman and because she yeah. says to him, I know that when the Messiah comes, he reveal all things. And he goes, I speak to you, am he. And I'm like, whoa, like here is this little Samaritan woman who's an outcast. He's got all these other people of religious authority. They're trying to nail him down on what authority he has. And this little lady has this conversation with he actually reveals his messiahship to. And again, he he. He starts, you know, not necessarily with questions, but he's like, hey, you know, I have water. If you drink it, you know, you'll never thirst again. Right. And she didn't even clue in on who he is, you know, until he reveals that she had multiple, you know, husbands. And the man she was now is not her husband. And so, you know, I, I think that that's where I think as far as of Christ, at least for me, I'm like, oh, let me be attuned to the Holy Spirit like Jesus was, because it was the same Holy Spirit that was speaking to him that said, hey, Tell her that the man she's with is not her husband and she's had yeah. five husbands, you know, and I'm thinking, man, you know, that's a part of apologies, apologetics, too, is, is being attuned mm -hmm. to what the spirit of God is saying, because God yeah. knows what's going on in, in people's lives. You know, we don't always mm -hmm. know what's going on in their lives. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, one in, in, interesting part of it, too, and apologists can get really caught up in their own words they, they i they their fatal flaws they like to talk and they like to think of all the deep things and skilly i mean we have got to learn is when to shut up yeah um yeah. like sometimes like the silence is just as important as all the facts you can spout out there about proof of the resurrection or whatever yeah um that's true you know there yeah. was like there was a guy i knew that was a um great evangelist and speaker but he came from england he, he was a professor somewhere i don't remember where i don't remember what he what he taught but he was an atheist and uh and he had this friend who was witnessing to him and he kept telling him like he didn't believe in god and, and finally the friend looked at him one day and said your problem is not that you don't believe in god your problem is that you don't want to give up your sin and mm -hmm. and he he said he was absolutely right. That was the context yeah. of our friendship and relationship. So I think the guy mm -hmm. had bought the, uh, earned the right to be able to say that to him. 
But yes. that was the conversation that led him to become a follower of Christ. And it, the mm -hmm. whole time they've been arguing apologetically, and he said, finally said one day, forget it. That's not really your question. Your, your real yep. problem is you just don't want to give up any of your freedoms and that you think you need to keep uh, that you're going to have to deny yeah. yourself to to become a follower of Christ. Um, and, you know, God is so good, Carolyn, with being mm -hmm. patient with our questions. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't think we should be afraid of the hard questions. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree. And it's, it's well, I think one thing that makes Ratio Christi so special on campuses is it creates an actual safe place um, for people. Um, and they don't really get that in the classroom. They act like they do, but it's only the safe place if you're on the, you know, the correct side. Right. You can't really bring your questions. I mean, I had that issue when anything came up with race because because I'm white. There were certain things I was not allowed to say, and I had it's funny enough in my. What are some of those things? Can you say them now, Carolyn? Um, no, I'm that kidding, maybe that. people of other colors can be racist too. <laughs> I had the audacity to say that. I was shut down publicly, like in front of everybody, and I was like, "What in the world?" Because I had had racist encounters before. Right. Um with non-white people and that I was told I, I was a liar essentially in front of the whole class. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it's humiliating. And except at the same time I walked out of class, I was like, I'm not wrong. Like anyway, but yeah, so right, Rashi was really good at creating real safe spaces to actually be able to say things and ask deep questions and not be afraid of being shut down All in right. front of people. Jump in here for a moment, Carolyn. Our guest is Carolyn Kirkman. She is a Rashi Christie. uh, brand new chapter, right, of Rashio Christie at <laughs> UNCG, UNC Greensboro? We're restarting. It was the chapter I was a part of. It died out during COVID, and yes. I'm relaunching like, it. Like many things, right? And uh, <laughs> and Rashio Christie was a big part of your life as a student. So okay. can, let me ask this for you, and I know that you said to me, hey, look, I'm I'm going to university to study apolitics. I don't consider myself to be an expert, but, but what are some of those questions when when somebody encounters somebody at work or they encounter them in their family or their neighborhood or friendship and i'm not talking about arguing but actually really really dialoguing with somebody what are some of those questions that you think are important that people should be asking about life and about their worldview mhm mm um i well again this i mean this goes down to something that seems really simple and you could just read the like the first part of mere christianity and get it but even the even the concept of morality, like is there such a thing as a right and a wrong? Is there such a thing as truth? Um, and really wrestling with that and recognizing um, where the culture has taken your mind captive in some areas, because there's been there's a I'm blanking on I think maybe the author is Carl Truman, Strange New World. I read this past year, and I was I felt really called out by a lot of things because right. he explains um the you know gender and sexuality issue but he backs all the way up and explains all the philosophy for how we got there yeah um and it you know it, that's like history and philosophy but i was really called out in my faith and recognizing that i have some ways of thinking culturally that are not aligned with scripture right um so there's i mean there's diving into the understanding how you think and where you might be wrong and how you process the world is really huge. Yeah. Um, Let me ask. I know for. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, you go. I, the, a couple other things just 
from the apologetic standpoint that have really helped me in my faith. Um, I, I love the proof of the resurrection stuff. Like that stuff is so cool to me. Um, and I mean, I, I can't get into it all cause it's, it's a lot, but, um, it's interesting cause those are questions I never necessarily, um, like asked until, and then until I heard like, here's some proof of the resurrection. And I was actually felt really challenged of like, why have I just blindly accepted this? Um, and not that people's faith can't be genuine if they accept things, but it, it, your faith becomes so much deeper when you get into some of these things, learning again, learning how to ask questions. Yeah. Um, so sometimes being taught some of these things in the world of apologetics, you know, spurred on other questions and yeah. other questions and other questions. Um, if somebody... And it's not something to be afraid of. I think a lot of people are really afraid of that because True. they're afraid there's not going to be answers, but there will be. <laughs> yeah. If, if somebody was like, you know what, I, I want to, be better at arguing my faith, where would you suggest they start? Because I think there are a lot of people out there that are realizing it in this, in this skeptical world they're living in. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is maybe a cop out, but just read a lot of C.S. Lewis. <laughs> um, <laughs> like The Lion, the Witch, I, and the Wardrobe, I, like that one? Uh, honestly, though, those Narnia <laughs> books are great. But um, Mere Christianity is still just fantastic. I don't know how many times I have read that yeah. book, but that is, it's still phenomenal. I think um, that's one. Actually, I think Lee Strobel's uh, The Case for Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently uh, went re- read How Now Shall We Live, too, by uh, Chuck Colson. My husband and I went through the Colson Fellows Program, which the Colson Center, which I highly recommend. So we read a whole lot of books last year mm-hmm. that were all really good with that. Um I don't know. I'm a good list off the books I'm nope. reading now, nope. but um, the yep. evidence that demands a verdict too. I mean, there's, there's just so much out there. Yes. Um, and honestly, looking, I yes. listen to a lot of podcasts and things yep. on YouTube. I love, too. I know I'm, I, I love the Veritas forum that's on YouTube um, where they have, I'm a huge John Lennox fan. I love John mm-hmm. Lennox. In fact, I had a friend mm-hmm. of mine that flew over and had lunch with him and I'm like, I don't get jealous a lot, but I was like, dad, got lunch with John Lennox. So, <laughs> so you can even go on YouTube. There's Gary Habermas talks on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do that would do that. Yeah. But I think your point about- oh, I'll do one shout out too. So one thing, I'll hold it up for the YouTube people, but Rashio actually has a whole bunch of, this is kind of new, a whole bunch of pamphlets and stuff online. Oh, nice. That get into different topics. So like the one I'm holding is the Bible and same-sex relationships. All right. Um, would, that be at, my, would that be at RashioChristie.org? Would that be there? Uh, yes. So there's like a resources page and there's a whole bunch of just free PDFs. And they're all, so engaging critical theory is one. Um I just pulled out the ones where the sure. titles look most interesting to me. So, um, are humans more than a body? Things like that online. Right. Carolyn, you've been a excellent guest. I could talk about apologetics all day long. Uh, you're with Rashio Christie. RashioChristie.org is a great resource. Um, Carolyn, if people want to get involved with Rashio Christie, any advice? Look, you can find where a chapter is near you. Um, on that website again. If you're a student, I would 100% recommend getting plugged in as soon as you get on campus. There are reasons for what we believe. We don't have to be blind. And you can argue the faith well. I want to encourage our listeners, argue the faith. Souls are on the line. Thanks for listening today. This is the Steve Noble Show. Another program powered by the Truth Network. Carolyn, 